You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, once again to the Oz Network as we continue our exclusive third watch coverage and get very much to the pointy pointy end of our coverage as we move into the 18th episode of the sixth and final season. It is called Too Little, Too Late. It first aired on the 8th of April. 2005. It was written by Janine Sherman Barrios, you know I always butcher her name, uh, directed by Rosemary Rodriguez, and uh, quite a decent episode here. We've gotten away from vampires, and we've moved into a few more better things as we get really close to the end of this show. My name is Ben, and look, number four, get out of bag. (laughs) That's a good one. And yeah, we have gotten away from vampires for this episode anyway. What's up? And I think we are I think we're away from them for next episode oh, too. Don't anyway, us. Don't what's us. up every- Yeah, but what- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. What's up everybody? My name's Darville and I've never been good with the phones. Ask my ex-girlfriends. Um sure, can I get them on the phones? <laughs> <laughs> you probably can. Okay, we'll pass yeah, but, the numbers. Yeah, <laughs> but you're yeah, yeah, but you're right. It is a it is a much better episode than what last week's was. Um, biggest thing is that yeah, we are away from vampires this week, so that definitely scores some points with it. But I said it to you like right before we went on air. This is a very appropriately titled episode because at this point we it it, it was at this point that. It was made official that Third Watch was being canceled. The, annou- the announcements broke. The announcement broke between the airing of Kingpin Rising and this episode. So it's I, I don't know why it's such an appropriate title, but it's just that you know they 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 had a lot of storylines. They had a lot of storylines to wrap up hmm. in the. Uh, four remaining episodes that they had to do and some they were able to wrap up others they weren't able to wrap up so yeah too little too late definitely works here well i also think too it's important to note that um there was a bit of a gap between kingpin rising and this episode so there was a yes. about a five-week gap uh, which often happens, I guess, around this time of year anyway with uh, how TV works in your country. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of the final five episodes that we're into now. This is this is really literally the home stretch because these final five air, you know, consecutive weeks. There's no more gaps, basically, from the show. You mentioned, obviously, everyone now watching the show knows that it's basically it's it's done with where we've only got a few more episodes to go. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, and- it's sad. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we, we knew we were going to get here eventually, and we're here now, basically. <laughs> yeah, and the gap, I don't know if you know this or not, but the gap was because Third Watch was put on was put on hiatus after Kingpin Rising to make room for Law & Order Trial by Jury. Oh, that was the one that replaced it, right? Uh, not exactly. Um, it was thought that, that Trial by Jury, the... Law and Order Trial by Jury. It was thought that it was going to be renewed for a second season, but it only ended up it only ended up lasting just that just that first season, much like Medical Investigation did. I remember hating that show. I remember hating um, Trial by Jury because, like, to me, it was kind of like, oh, the show that replaced Third Watch, whether it did or not. Like, it just that's what I thought it was. Um, and then when it only lasted one season, <coughs> that made me very mad. Um, but I'm just looking here at Law and Order Trial by Jury. Uh, something that we haven't really mentioned before. One of the main cast members, Amy Carlson, um, has eighty-eight. Yep, she was in it. Uh, so, um, yeah, I, I I wasn't aware of that. So there you go. Um, at least there was kind of some third watch alumni in that, at least. But uh, yeah, she she would make a good ADA. I'm looking at the cast photo. She she suits the role there. I think that's a good one. And also, um, it looks as though the uh, Bobby's killer was also in the uh, the main cast there. Um, yes. Who who was that? Is that Jerry Orbach? Kirk Acevedo. Oh, Kirk Acevedo. Right, no. wrong one. Yes, Kirk Acevedo. No, Jer- Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach was never in Third Watch. Jerry Orbach is one of the longest-serving Law & Order cast members. He played uh, Detective Lenny Briscoe. Close to show how much I know about Order. Uh, Law & Order. So there you go. Um, anyway. Yeah, I love Law & Order. Uh, Kirk Acevedo, yep, that's you're absolutely correct. Anyway, um, so yeah, we're in the final stretch now, and like, yeah, I, I actually 
came out of this episode going, this is actually a pretty decent episode. Um, and not not even on the basis of like, oh, it's a decent Susan Six episode. Like, I mean, okay, that's true. Um, but there was a few moments of this episode where I'm kind of like, oh, slight bit of old school vibe to it. But it's also, I think this is this is where you get good season six. Like, you can kind of take this out of, you know, the weird season that is season six and almost see where this is connected to the old school show. There is definitely some stuff in this which is not old school third watch. But, um, yeah, I think kind of they, they balance the storylines well in this episode, even though this mm-hmm. uh, is pretty much 98.36% cop and what we get like a, a slight appearance from the paramedics in this episode. So, yeah, yeah very much forgetting our dear paramedics. But um, we'll get a little bit more of them next week, obviously. But anyway, we will uh, get into this. We start off... <laughs> Finney, I cannot wait to get to that episode. Finney and uh, Davis are in a bit of a car chase here. Uh, uh, sorry, a foot chase and a car chase, essentially, as they're chasing down a guy down the street. Uh, this is uh, intersected with Emily. Oh, Emily's so excited. Uh, she's on the phone. She can't wait to see someone. And then we find out that she's actually going to the movies with a friend, Heather Morris. Now, I have to pull this up here because I think it's funny. I don't know if you're ever a fan of Glee, Darvell, um, but the the actress... I never watched it. The, I never watched it. I know I know what it is, but I never watched it. Well, the actress, Heather Morris, uh, played Brittany on uh, Glee, who I had quite a significant crush on during uh, my time watching Glee. Um, but I just thought that was kind of funny because uh, clearly this is what a good three, four, five years before Glee. What Glee was about 2008, 2009, wasn't it? Um, yes. So uh, clearly, uh, Heather Morris, not really a, a household name. I wouldn't even say she's a household name now. Um, fun story about Heather Morris. She actually is a backup dancer who essentially they had on Glee as a dancer for a long period of time and just as a side character, but her uh, character got so popular that they kind of wrote her in as a, as a more permanent fixture to the show. But uh, anyway, so Emily wants to go off with Brittany from Glee, apparently. Um, the chase is continuing, uh, and then they finally catch this guy. We have Munro checking out the baby. Um, she's getting an ultrasound, and... Um, She's sort of like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Uh, I will say, like, I, I really actually... We mentioned, was it last week or the week before, that Munro's kind of been a bit invisible. Um, and for the yeah. most part this season, Munro's kind of been the, you know, the villain for a lot of this season. But uh, I really, really like the Munro stuff this episode. This this might be Munro's episode oh, to yes. shine. Um, and, I mean, she's had a few and moments. And she does. Yeah, but, like, you, you go back to, uh, what was it, Purgatory last season when kind of, you know, that was sort of a a Munro episode, but, you know, we all agree that was a pretty rubbish episode. Whereas this one, uh, yeah, like, definitely Munro... Munro, between Munro and Bosco, uh, and even Dave, like, the thing is with this episode, it's hard to pinpoint a star, because I think kind of between Munro and Cruz, there's four people, there you go. <laughs> We've got four pretty pretty good centres of this episode. Um, who would you say the centre of this episode? Help me out here, Darbell. I would say Munro and Bosco, mostly. I would say they're the ones who really shine here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I agree, uh, but I think that you've got moments from everyone else. Yeah, Dave, Davis is kind of yeah, he's got a weird little arc, but it's still kind of he's got some good stuff towards the end. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's kind of the the arc with him and Brendan this episode. I have to admit, it is sometimes sometimes when I watch it, I want to cringe, but other times I can't help but laugh because it's because it's kind of funny mm. in a way. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, back after the credits, so Bosco's uh, on the desk, he's on the phone, he's going off at somebody saying to write Bloomberg, and he's sick of being on the phone, he wants to go back out in the street, Munro shows up, and uh, we find out that they're going to get partnered up. Sully's on a personal day, this is just an odd thing, like, Sully taking a personal day? Like, what for? Um, so it's never it's never said, actually. One of the few episodes where Sully's not in it, so there you go. Um so, Finney and Davis have got the guy that they've arrested, and we find out that they're desperate to get out of, well, Davis at least wants to get out of uniform, and they're trying to get into anti-crime, and as I mentioned before, he's written himself a little New Year's list, and he uh, wants to get out of the bag this year. Uh, and then we find out Finney says that Cruz hates him, and then they sort of approach Cruz, uh, well, in just a moment, there's an interrogation scene where Cruz is interrogating this prisoner, her gums start bleeding, and um, then Finney and uh, Davis approach her and essentially say, like, hey, um, we want to go on a mission, a mission. Um, and then she puts them on yeah. under, un- undercover. Now, um, just uh, this setup, this is one of the, the little 
few issues I have with this episode. Um, it's just, you can tell to me now that they're really pushing towards this end point because all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Davis wants to get out of uniform and they're trying to get into anti-crime. So that, that to me, this is just purely a case of, well, we need that final five-minute montage where, you know, we're going to find out what happens to these two. So let's set it up. And... Like, I think this is something that needs a bit more setup. Like, think back to season three when Bosco is wanting to get into, um, out of uniform and into ECU. 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 ESU. You know, that was kind of a slow build. Like, it kind of, you heard a few little glimmers for it, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's trying with Hobart to get into it. So I like that. And yeah, okay, again, it's a case of, they know the show's been cancelled. How are we going to tie these characters up? Oh, we want to get Davis and Finney out of uniform, so let's kind of mention this. I, I don't know. I just feel like you should have sown a few scenes of this early on. And then the line that always kind of just like, I don't get it. When Finney says, Cruz hates me, is that purely down to the fact because of his dad? Because we've never seen any relationship between these two that she hates him. And I feel like this is something that if we had to seen a few sparks every now and then, because it's, just, it's kind of odd that Finney's just like, Cruz hates me. <coughs> Well, not really, because, I mean, if, because Sully, Sully even hated Brendan for no other reason than because of his last name, than because of his name. And, and Cruz hated CT more, probably even more than Sully did. So it's not exactly a stretch to think that Cruz would harbor some of that hatred towards Brendan for no other reason than because he can't help what his last name is. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand. That's kind of what I was saying. Like, I assume that's definitely the reason. But I just I just feel like, say, for the uninitiated, if you've just tuned into this show, uh, but even if you've not just tuned into this show, like, I think some people might not connect those dots straight away, if you know what I mean. Like, it just, to me, it just yeah. kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> like, hey, you know, like, there should be another line in there. Like, oh, Cruz hates me because of my dad or something like that. Like, that's what he should say. Um, because yeah, just fair enough. I mean, yeah, that's just the one thing, but, um, I don't know. Do you feel as though that they should have tried to sow some seeds earlier on of these guys wanting to get out of uniform and into anti-crime? Well, early on might not have worked for the simple fact that early on, at least with this season, we were finding out that Dave, that Davis's dad and Sully once worked in, once worked in anti-crime, and that was where Davis's dad met his demise mm. at the hands of the leader of the anti-crime unit. So, do, can you honestly say that Davis would have wanted to get into anti-crime at that point? Because I sure can't. True, I, I, I guess. But I, I guess another thing too with it though is it's just like for six seasons, Davis has kind of he's he's never really harbored that much of an interest to get out of you know because like, there's always been an ongoing conversation between him and Sully. Like, you know, what's next? You can't be in uniform for your whole life. You can't be a beat cop. And kind of, we've gone over the fact that we sort of had the pointless storyline of them doing their, uh, you know, LSATs to not really go anywhere. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, like Davis had an opportunity to obviously get out of uniform with, uh, Hancock, but, uh, you know, obviously refused that. I don't know. It just, I feel like it, it's kind of, it's purely there, and I understand why they're doing it, because they want to kind of show in the future that Davis isn't purely going to be a beat cop, and I like the fact that Davis gets out of uniform in that final five minutes. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I don't like the development of what they do with Davis. It just, to me, it's just, it's just very sudden. That's, I guess, my little irk with this, whereas, you know, I kind of think with what you get with a lot of the other cops, like, Munro's kind of final few moments, like, it's been hinted several times throughout the show what she wants to do if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. And kind of when it comes to Bosco, like it, like as much as when I very first saw the finale, I'm like, what? That's dumb. That's not what, how Bosco would end up now. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. That's the only way Bosco would end up. Um, so like, I, I just think that, and I'll maybe complain a little bit more. You know, I'm going to complain about it anyway. Like I'll have my little go in the finale saying like, look, you know, but I just, I'm rambling. To me, it's just a little bit sudden. That's it. It's not a huge deal. Yeah, it's not, and it's, it's not a thing that <clears throat> makes this episode bad. As I said, when I started this rant, it's one of the few things that I've just got a little nitpick with. Yeah, and with the arc of going back a little bit with the arc of Davis uh, for six seasons, you know, saying, you know, I showing no indication that he really wants to move on from being a beat cop. And you mentioned the whole Hancock thing. I mean. I don't. He, he never actually said that he doesn't want to get out of the bag. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah, he just wanted um, to do it on but, his own. He wanted to not have any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. He he wanted to earn it, mm -hmm. you know, and and thankfully, of course, him and Brendan both earn it. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. 
No, again, so, it's, 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 yeah. just, it's just a tiny thing. Like, it's, again, it's not something... It's not vampires in Third Watch, so I'm just finding yeah. something to, to <laughs> nitpick, apparently. Um, so, yeah, I, and I do like his little list, you know, get out of bag. Like, it's just... I don't love the way he <laughs> does that. Um, I wonder what the first three were on his list. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Uh, he, well, he wants to go surfing in Malibu. He is, that's one of the ones he says. Um, so, Munro and Boss... Yeah, he... Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to... Oh, man. Coming from a guy, I imagine he would look pretty good on a beach. You're allowed to say that. It's 2019. And on a surfboard. 2019? Yep. Own that shit. Like, don't feel ashamed. Why not? Um, Munro and Bosco in the car, and uh, we... Uh, I, I like kind of um, the way they start this conversation when Bosco is, like, you know, having a bit of a go at her for being IAB. Like, I love the way Bosco says, you and I were friends. Like, this was different. Um, so like, that's kind of like that little moment. I never pictured these two as actually being friends because they kind of had a bit of a troubled relationship when they sort of rode together. Um, but right. yeah, obviously, you know, Bosco is a bit like, oh, I want to eat, but I'm going to eat alone. I will say like on paper, a lot of the setup for the Munro, what happens to her stuff is very obvious, but I actually think they do it very well. Um, whereas it's, it's like, it's obvious, but it's not in your face obvious. Um, I think if you're watching this for the first time, it's like... You know, if you know anything about how generally TV shows like this work, uh, you can probably point two and two together. But I still think it's done in a shocking way. So I think kind of just like little subtle things here where, you know, Bosco's hating on Munro and, oh, I'm going to be alone from you. I don't want to even be near you. It's kind of, you know, setting it up like, oh, he clearly hates her, so he must have shot her deliberately. So, yeah, like it's kind of, there's there's obviousness, but it's, it's subtle obviousness, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is subtle ob- obviousness an actual thing? Um if it wasn't before it is now i've just created it apparently um so yeah cruz uh rings up the doctor says about a gums bleeding the doctor's like you've got to get um here right now um then she basically lies to manny and says that uh she went to the dentist this morning and that she's got to go back to get her gums checked and manny's like you're leaving a sick out to go to the dentist and she's like oh, i'll be over in half an hour um Munro sees a sister shows her the baby uh and then kind of they have this nice conversation about how she's going to tell uh Swirsky tomorrow and she'll be transferred and oh that's how you know god works and Bosco shows up we've got a call and then kind of I love that she's like pray it's a girl and I love when um she she gets in the car and she's like what the hell's wrong with you I love Munro when she gets sassy sassy with Bosco in particular <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. Yeah. I really like Munro this episode. Like, really like Munro yes. this episode. Like, I know I've kind of always just said, like, she's just kind of a plain cop in this show. She doesn't have, you know, a lot to kind of handle with kind of compared to a lot of the other cops. But, um, yeah, after kind of having a pretty mundane season and kind of crappy with the whole reveal of her being a rat and everything like that, I think, like, yeah, this this episode, I really, really like Munro. It might be my favourite Munro episode. Uh, it's a lot better than, yes. I got my onion, I got my onion. <laughs> oh, come on. You can, <laughs> you cannot help, you cannot help but laugh at that. I know you hate that storyline, but, and I said this to you back when we covered that episode, but come on, how can you not find that funny when she's skipping through the precinct singing that? Because it's an episode of Third Watch <laughs> where we've got a cop literally dancing about holding an onion. Um, it's... <laughs> oh, I like Neil. Hey, I like some, you, Neil. Have some cri- have some Christmas cheer, man. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. Um, so well, because that episode's centered around Christmas. That's why I said that. No, no, I know that. I was just going to give away when we're recording this episode to destroy the illusion that we record these week to week, but uh, never mind. Um, <laughs> so we, we then cut to sort of one of the main stories of this. We've got a woman going off at a cashier. She wants a check and kind of uh, they've called the cops on them. Um, and this we've got sassy uh desk clerk going off to her like at least i have a job and like this other woman like i i love both of these women they're great actors and this yes. storyline's really good and here's another case of it's been a while since we've had this of actor who's previously appeared in third watch I'm not sure if you recognize the desk clerk at all darvel is this somebody who's appeared in this show before hold on let me think I don't think you're going to get this one this one was this was one that i sort of looked at and i'm like that's totally her and i had to look her up and i'm like yep okay it's a very like it's a very minorish character. Like I don't think you'll get it. Oh man! You gotta go back to season one. Hold, hold, hold on, I'm thinking really, really hard. Season one, nature or nurture? Uh, what? Oh god! Was she somehow connected to? 
Oh man, I'm trying to remember that episode. Isn't that the episode where no, no, that's a different episode. Isn't that the episode where Malcolm's sister gets beat up? No, it's Puppet. That's where uh, Doc and uh, Carlos first. Oh meet yes, Puppet. yes. Now she is oh, the she's mother. Puppet, she's Puppet's, Puppet's mother. Mom? Yes, Puppet's mother. The one when they knock on the door and they're basically you yes, know like yes, yeah. yes, yep. So that's her. Uh, Puppet's mom is back. The actress playing her is Yolanda Ross. Um, and straight she's away, very like, good in this scene. Oh too. yeah, she's great. She, I mean, she was great in um, Nature and Nurture as well. But like, I just kind of that. I was mm-hmm. like, that's totally her. And I love Danielle as well, uh, played by Tonya Patano. Uh, I'm not sure if it's uh, still pronounced Tonya. Uh, it's just spelled T-O-N-Y-E. Um, so apologies uh, if it is Tonya or Tonya Tonya. Um, but I really like her. I really like the actress who plays. She's been in other yes. things too. I've definitely seen her in things. But yeah, so there's a bit of a, a kerfuffle between these two because she needs a check, <laughs> uh, to, like a welfare check to get some medicine for her sick child. But obviously she's lost the check and kind of it's a back and forth between these two. So I can't. It's one of these ones where it's sort of. I think you definitely meant to side with Danielle because, like, straight away, everyday citizen is like, oh, typical government agency, like, you know, doesn't want to help the man or, in this case, the woman, you know. But I, I think kind of if anyone's ever worked a job like uh, this, you've got to know the process is involved and it's often it's frustrating to not be able to help people, but there's kind of only so much yeah, you can do. Yeah, and that's do. for... Yeah, and that's, that's for customer service in general. I've worked customer service jobs before and it yeah. is... And uh, um, I don't think we ever get the we ever get the clerk's name. I don't uh, think she's well, ever mentioned by she, name. She, no, but. we don't. But her name is Lynette, apparently, at least according to the credits. Um, but okay. yeah, we never hear. Okay, yeah. but yeah, we don't ever. But hear yeah, her with with uh, now I've never worked in a in the well in in the welfare office. But yeah, I have worked government job, not government jobs, customer service jobs, and yep. Lynette really does show the show the frustration here with with, you know, just, hey, I'm sorry. That's just how these things work sometimes. But she broke the first rule of customer service etiquette. Yeah, you never as much as you want to. You never get sassy with the customer. And I think kind Believe of me. I think that at the end of the day, is like they're trying to paint her as more of the villain, because even then, like, you know, when Bosco's trying to, like, question her, and she's like, welcome to the world of welfare. And then even when they, like, walk off, obviously there's, like, a ding, and straight away she's like, lunchtime! Like, I don't know if that's literally how it works for government services in the US. Like, as soon as a ding goes off, you can basically go to a customer, fuck off, I'm going on lunch. Like, I know from my time in customer service that, um, you know, rarely are you designated a lunchtime. You just generally take it around a certain time. But, like, in no way, like, if I'm about to head out for lunch and a customer walks in, in no way do I turn around to the customer and go, sorry, I'm going to lunch, bye. Like, I serve that customer, even if it takes an hour. Right. Like, and, like, it's... Right. No, no matter, like, if you're closing, if you've got one minute to closing and a customer walks in the store, it's pain in the ass as it is. You've got to fucking serve them. Um, like, it's first rule of customer yep. service. It's in the title, customer service. <laughs> so. Yep. Yeah, the, yep, there is definitely that. And, oh gosh, where was I going to go with that? I don't even know where I was going. Story of the show, really. It happened. Yes, story of the show. Okay. Yeah, so, well, they have to get separated, essentially, um, and, you know, trying to find out uh, what's happened. And we learn a little bit more about Danielle. As I said, she's kind of uh, trying to get this check. She's got to get a certain medicine because her uh, kid's got cerebral palsy. Um and essentially, she needs like 60 bucks, and Munro offers to give her the money, and she's just like, I can't, I'm going to go talk to my brother, thanks, and sort of leaves, and Bosco gives her a bit of sass, and it's kind of like, why don't you just go to the ATM or sell your car? Um, so, yep, that's kind of setting up what we're about to get. I don't, yeah, I, I know they wanted to set us up for what we're going to get here, but at the same time, you know, I couldn't help but think, I couldn't help but think, come on. Even though, like I said, I know what we're getting set up for, but I couldn't help but think, come on, Danielle. I mean, you couldn't get the money from the from the welfare office, and someone and a and a and a cop out of the kindness of her heart, she has the money, she's giving it to you. Take it and go get the medicine for your son. There's, there's definitely a sense of pride, though. Like there are definitely people who will just flat out refuse to take money. It's a pride thing, you know. Yeah, like, I will not accept. And I, I I admit I'm. Yeah, I I admit sometimes I can be one of them. Mm. I think we all can. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, not me. Just give me money. I'm, I'll happily take it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Davis and Finney are undercover. They're at a site. They're basically having to wait as builders at a construction site for uh, one of the perps that they were connected with this uh, string of robberies at uh, anti-crime, uh, I guess, in- investigating to show up to the car. And they're not too happy about it because um, they're kind of bored. Um, but then we learn a little bit more about Davis's, uh, you know, news resolutions. He's cut the girl, Rhonda Loose. He wants to get in and out with girls. Uh, he wants to learn to surf in Malibu. He can get flights to LA for like 99 bucks. Um, and Finney is hungry. I love Finney just this episode. He just complains so much about food. Um, he's just like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. Talk about somebody taking the back seat all of a sudden. Like I mentioned about Munro kind of being a bit invisible a few weeks ago. Now Finney's back to being invisible, isn't he? So, um... Finney doesn't have a whole lot to do for the rest of the season, I feel. Um, he gets shot no. know, in a car crash. He gets injured, basically. In car crash. Car crash, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Finney kind of just, yeah, pushed out of it. Um, so, <clears throat> we get uh, Bosco and Munro uh, still having a conversation about things. I do like that line when Bosco kind of says to Munro, like, this isn't a family to you, and she's just like, no, it's a job. Um, we hear that they've got a call coming through that there's um, uh, shots fired at a social security office. And we're back. We're back at the uh, social security office. The clerk's been shot. Security guard's been shot. And we find out that Daniel's come back and basically gone in and started firing up people. Uh, no offense to your great country, Davo. I love the United States of America. But if this doesn't sum up what a lot of people think of USA in one scene, um, it's the fact that somebody gets pissed off so they go and get a gun and start shooting up the place five seconds later. Um, like, <laughs> Sadly, it's accurate. That, that's but exactly the, like but, you saying to Australia, like, oh, you go there, get bit by a snake. Like, that sums up Australia. Like, <laughs> or that, or that all of you are crocodile hunters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and it, one thing that is really weird to me in this scene is when Bosco's calling for backup and he's like, five, five, Charlie, we need backup. Like, no, it just doesn't work. It just does not work. Um, <laughs> no. Like, why don't they? Like, with Sully on a personal day, can Davis and Finney not go into five, five, Charlie and then Bosco has five, five, David? Like, it makes no sense for them to still be swapped at this point. Um, yeah. It annoys me. Um, so yeah, we find out that Danielle's in the office. She's holding up, uh, she's holding the manager hostage. Bosco sort of wants to go in early. Uh, Munro's saying wait for backup. And I do like that shot. They kind of have a Bosco looking really nervous and kind of like having a deep breath before he kind of walks into the office. Um, we've got Danielle going off saying, write my check. Um, and then basically goes off at Munro and Bosco saying, take one more step. I'll hurt him. Um, Cruz is in the doctor's office. Um, basically saying that the leukemia has progressed and the only thing that can help her is basically chemo. She doesn't want to put the stuff in her body and this doctor is essentially like, you're running out of time, you need to start this tomorrow. And then we just get this really like, this is a scene that I should find cheesy and not like, but I just can't help but like kick me in the guts, feel sad. Like you've just got Cruz driving around with kind of this sad music and she's like just looking at, like she sees a happy couple, she sees people with kids and... She sort of starts crying a little bit, and then she sort of pulls up eventually to, to Manny and, um, you know, basically... Um, am, I, am I jumped ahead there? Um, I think I... No, I don't think you have. No, I haven't. Um, oh, yeah, no, I haven't. Um, yeah, she sees Manny. Um, yep. No, and I have pushed... And you're right, it's not... I have pushed ahead, it's, have it's I? It's not... No. No, keep it's, going. It's, keep not going. Che- it's not cheesy because, I mean, it works here because she sees... You know, she sees all that, and that—that's when it hits her. You know what? Everything she's, everything she's missed out on. Mm. I think the thing in life. I think the thing to me that makes it not cheesy is that you've kind of just got um, the the theme, like a sort of a slow theme playing. Um, you know, yes. Martin Davich's score is playing in the background. It's not like we haven't got like a cheesy pop song over the top. Like, that's what makes... You know, we go back a few episodes when Bosco, you know, sees the cop car and kind of has that fade in, looking all sad. You know, even the best fall down sometimes. Like, it's very cheesy. Whereas, like, if you had a score of, like, you know, Martin Davidge's score, it's not going to be as cheesy. So, I think kind of that, to me, is what makes this work. And it's like, this is, again, another one of these scenes, like... I, I really want to hear from people who hate Cruz because, like, you can't hate Cruz at this point. Like, it's just, like, it's so... Like, it's it's sad. It's sad. Um, And I I do think, you know, because you mentioned everything she sees, you know, happy couples, people with their people with their kids. Um, I mean, she put she put her whole and there there are 
one thing I love about this show is that it it shows that there are people who do this. Mm-hmm. You know, their work becomes their life. You know, and they they put everything into it, and then sooner or later they realize everything they've missed out on in life because of it. I mean, Sully did it. Um, Cruz has done it. Um, Doc did it. Mm-hmm. And if, eventually, it catches up to to all of them in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I know people in real life who do this, like, they just, their job's everything. Like, and, like, look, you know, it's not to say that I don't enjoy, you know, aspects of my paid job. I, you know, I enjoy doing this and, you know, things like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's that life-work balance. Like, I get it. If you find a job you're absolutely in love with, like, I could easily find myself completely taken over by a job if I absolutely loved it, like, for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just sad. Like, this, I love what they do with this. And, like, it's so simple to say like oh you know Cruz started off as such a bitch and then you know they wanted to make her so sympathetic but I think like they retain a lot of what Cruz was and kind of you can calm someone down without you know taking away like it's like going back a few weeks ago the medical investigation when basically just it, they completely reversed Carlos's character and then kind of made him straight back into what he usually is um, whereas like here like it's kind of it's a slow gradual you know thing with Cruz um, but yeah, whether this scene yeah. happens here or not, I, I'm just, I probably haven't written down in my notes or I'm skipping ahead. She pulls up, sees Manny, they're still on the stakeout and, um, nothing's really happened. Manny gets out of the car and sits in the front seat with Cruz and sort of Cruz has lied about her gums and saying that, you know, she's got some goals basically to fix her mouth. But, uh, he sees the leukemia, uh, brochure and doesn't say anything and kind of, you know, that's the end of the scene that's going to lead to a nice little scene by the end of this episode. Um, yeah. Grace and Carlos show up to help out, uh, the people shot at the, um, the welfare office. Swirsky's there. Swirsky's always there now. He's, um, basically, uh, helping out everyone. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, basically this manager is essentially saying, like, I've got kids and, yeah, they're just, nice conversation here. Like, Danielle, really good in, uh, you know, like the acting here, basically trying to explain the situation. You can really sympathize. It's, it's, again, another one of these moments where it's like, yeah, she's got a bit cray cray. She's kind of holding someone hostage and shot a couple of people. Like, she's going down. But in a way, you kind of sympathize with the cause here. <laughs> like, I'm sure, again, going back to what I was saying, where a lot of people are going to side with her because it's like, oh, fuck the government, fuck their processes. Like, you know, yeah, I've always wanted to go down and do this to get my way. But essentially, this manager is like, I'm going to cut you an administrative check and then um, let's going to let her let him go in a second. We've got Davis and Finney back at the site. Davis would rather write tickets. Uh, Finney just wants food. Uh, so Davis <laughs> goes to the hot dog vendor and essentially um, he gives a code of with extra relish and that basically means like I'm going to give you a blowjob. So um, he, <laughs> he gets taken into the back of the car and um, into the, the back of the caravan or whatever it is. And for some reason, Davis just thinks this is normal. Like, I'm sorry. If a girl basically like that says to me, come around the back, like I'm assuming she's a prostitute. I'm not trying to be like sexist or anything like that, but like I... I know what I look like, uh, and I know that girls aren't generally like that. So I'm going to assume that if a girl is that forward in that capacity, that she is a professional. And I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I think that's a general assumption that people, because that's their job. I feel like I'm digging myself a hole here. Move on. Um, <laughs> and she, I mean, and. <laughs> Well, I'm gonna dig myself. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll join you and dig myself a hole by saying that. I mean, even though, even though, even though she, even though she isn't, even though she isn't my, even though she isn't my type. Uh, girls like that generally are not my type. I couldn't help but wa- watching. <laughs> no prostitutes. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't help but when watching that scene, I couldn't help but go. <laughs> you know, because because it's like, I mean. Come on, she. <laughs> I interviewed a prostitute. I mean, once. It's, it's a fascinating. I mean, it's like a fascinating interview. Like you really, you you really did. Yeah, I, I used to many years ago. I used to host a, a an adult show on a on a radio station in Hobart, um, and it was like you know more of an informative educational adult slash sex show. And uh, yeah, we interviewed a local sex worker, um, and yeah, interesting, any, very interesting. Huh. So, yeah. Any any chance of that interview being archived? Ah, uh, I can probably find it for you. <laughs> you you perked up a little bit there. Oh, can I listen to that? <laughs> no, be- well, because I I am interested in how that interview went. Remind me. I, I mean, will, did uh, I will? I find mean, did it for she you. after the mics went off? Did she offer you services? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we had a massive orgy in the studio. Uh, great. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, uh, so Davis gets lucky. Who plays her? I wonder. Um, who, who plays Nikki? She looks familiar. Uh, Nikki is played by Mary Dandridge, uh, the esteemed Mary Dandridge, best known for the voice of Alex Vance in Half Life Two, the voice of Alex La- Vance in Half Life Two Episode One, uh, the voice of Marlene. She's obviously a bit of a video game voice actress. Um, so, uh, that's, I guess, what she's been in, uh, she's in the new Murphy Brown, made a bit of fun of that in uh, our Lost coverage, (laughs) download now via the Oz Network, uh, Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah, I saw, I saw that, I saw that, I I watched that, I listened to that clip, there we go, because it's not a TV show, I listened to that clip in your Best of 2018 (laughs) compilation episode, where Uh, you, you and your co-host were just ragging on Murphy Brown and Lost and... yeah. Download Lost Coverage if you like to hear jokes about Murphy Brown. Uh, she was in 24, day 8, 12am to 1am. Uh, she played uh, Kristen Smith. Maybe that's where I know her from. I don't remember that character. I don't really remember her no. season 8. But anyway, um, so Attra- yes. Attractive woman, I'm sure. Very much so. So uh, that happens. Um, Danielle gets a check. Uh, she lets a guy go. And then just when you think the whole situation's going to be done with, she puts a gun down. Munro steps there. And for some reason, Danielle snaps, picks the gun up again. Munro and her struggle. And then Bosco shoots and <gasps> she gets shot. That's Munro gets shot. Bosco has shot Munro. Uh, 10-13, 10-13. We've got an officer down. And as Munro gets rushed out, she's been shot to the abdomen. We find out that uh, she's pregnant. Well, we already knew she was pregnant. Uh, but she's telling Carlos and uh, basically saying, like, don't tell him. He doesn't know. Um... So, yeah, there's our big moment. Again, this is kind of one of those things where I feel like this is totally obvious that something like this is going to happen. You know, they're setting it up with Bosco's eyesight. They're setting it up with Munro. Like, oh, it's, it's just one of those cliches in, like, movies or TV shows when the cop gets cute, uh, was about to die and they just drop that one-liner, I was one day away from retirement. You know, like, it's kind of just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, like, because we had that line yeah. from Munro earlier, like, I'm going to tell him tomorrow and all will be fine. Like, okay, you know, shit's going to go down. But, like, I still think this yeah, thing works. And- like, it's just, it's tense. Like, it's like, bang. And then just the way Bosco's kind of like, oh, my God, like, you know, he's shot. Monroe, like holy crap, <laughs> and the and the way his voice cracks when he calls the when he calls in the ten thirteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I swear the I swear the man's about ready to I swear the man's about ready to break down, but of course he doesn't right here. But I swear he's about to just because of how he delivers that line. And this this scene that was actually the I don't know if you've seen the promo for this episode, the U.S. promo for this episode, but that was actually what was shown in the advert in the promo for it. Mm. Oh, well, I wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the hook. But yeah, so uh, yeah. she's rushed off to hospital. Um, Davis, we go back to Davis and Finney Davis comes back. And he's like, oh my God, you never know what just happened. And then Finney turns around and straight away is like, holy crap, she's a prostitute. We should go arrest her. <laughs> like, bad cop, Dave. Davis is a terrible cop at this point. Like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, Finney, really. Finney sees it like I mean, in two seconds. Like, dude, she's a prostitute. Let's go arrest her. <laughs> Yeah, really. I mean, Davis, how did you not? How did you not pick up on that? <laughs> I mean, or or is it because you're in your? Or is it because you're in your player in and out mode right now? Is that the only reason you didn't pick up on the fact that you just got that you just that that you just got a you just got a couple of hot dogs from a hot dog vendor who was a <laughs> prostitute, and then you gave her yours for lunch? Yeah. Come on. Um, and then she walks over and is basically like, the first one's for free, next time you pay. And then kind of Finney's like, we got these hot dogs for free. And uh, he's like, yeah, yeah, the hot dogs. Um, and then so Finney's about to go arrest her, but then the car basically, um, oh, we're not quite there yet. Finney gets, uh, Davis goes to walk after her. Um, Dr. Fields, meanwhile, is working on, um, on Munro and, um, Grace basically says, Grace is there, rare Grace and Bosco moment. Grace says to Bosco, like, she's going to be okay. Um, this is where, um, Cruz, actually, I've, uh, jumped well ahead. Cruz, this is where she sees the happy people and sees Manny and, yeah, that's, I knew I'd jumped ahead before, but whatever. Uh, we've gone over that scene already. Um, so Davis and Finney, meanwhile, were back there and, uh, Finney's kind of questioning Davis, like, you didn't do anything with her, did you? And Davis's like, no, what are you talking about? And then they see the, um, the car... They were watching uh, Drive Off, um, so they go into a bit of a car chase. Um, Bosco, meanwhile, has to explain to Swirsky what happened. He says that uh, she pushed uh, Mon- the Danielle pushed Munro in the line of fire, and then kind of Swirsky's like, "Look, you know, you'll be fine, but uh, the New York Times is going to get a hold of this. Going to make it like a race issue." Um, you know, the black uh, IAB cop in the line of fire, like you know, the PC is going to be all over me and everything. It's like, I, 
you definitely know that's going to be true. That's definitely going to be um, yeah done that way. It, it would be even more. It would be even more true today. Today there would be surveillance camera footage inside the manager's office of the welfare building. Yep. Yep. Protest in the street. Does I mean you know he he says that I, I'm curious does. Does Danielle actually push Monroe at the same time Bosco shoots? No, or, uh, or, it's, or it's hard to tell. I think they or, leave it a bit ambiguous. Like I okay, think okay, because I want I wondered about that. Well, I think they do it deliberate in a way because like I think we're meant to assume that Bosco's done it because of his eyesight, because uh, of just the way he reacts and kind of and like he I think is also unsure of it. That's why I kind of he straight away is like oh you know line of fire line of fire like you know pushed in front of the way so. I think it's meant to be done in a way that it's like, fuck, Bosco, what are you doing? Yokus was right. Um, so, yeah. Um, Cruz and... Uh, we all got the car chase. Cruz and Davis and everyone's chasing this car. It ends up crashing into a ditch. And uh, Davis gets out. This started off as such a good day. I, I, I don't get how there's so much snow on the streets in New York, but, like, um, we barely have seen any snow. And plus, like, aren't the roads icy? Like, shouldn't there be more sliding around? I don't know how snow works. I'm Australian. Um... So it doesn't snow there. Oh, certain parts, but very rarely on like a level on the streets. Like you've got to be in, you know, like I've my entire life living in Hobart. It snowed once when I woke up. It was snow on the ground, and it's only because I lived in a higher suburb and it was only like a centimeter worth of snow. So it was, you know, laughable by your standards. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we we would call that a dusting. Yeah, exactly. Just a dusting of snow. Monroe's sister shows up, um, and she's sort of questioning Bosco a little bit, and then the doctor comes out and tells us that, uh, sadly, she's lost the baby, um, which is obviously sad. Yokus and Jelly, random moment there. Yokus on the phone to uh, Heather Morris's mother, and then we find out, you know, like, oh, she said she was going to the movies. What? She told you the same thing? Oh, don't worry, I'll investigate it. Um, and then I love Jelly, like, she's at a party or on a date. It's like, she's 16. She's at a party or on a date. <laughs> like it's 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 Yokus again. Not some part of her still thinks that Emily is preteen. Mm. You know, you know, still thinks that Emily is like single digits. It's it's just like another small complaint about this episode. It just kind of feels a bit like we don't need this in this episode. Like what is the point of us having to, they're purely just trying to drag it on a little bit. Cause you know, oh, we're going to have this big tension with vampire David coming after them in a few weeks. But like put this in next week or put this in an episode where he's going to be in it again, because it just kind of feels out of place. And like, Yoko's yeah. being all like, Oh, you know, she's lying to me. And like, and, and you're like, even kind of, as you were saying, like, we're just, and we, we thought these two had sorted their lives out. Now all of a sudden it's back to Emily lying to her mother and going behind her back. Like, oh, we get it. Like, <laughs> she's a teenager. Yeah. You know, like, oh, anyway. Um, but she asked for Bosco. Um, we've got Bosco doing his usual. It's kind of like a trope of Bosco, isn't it? Being in a bathroom, washing his face, and he's kind of hearing flashbacks of, uh, you know, him's asking uh, Yokus to shoot and saying about his um, his eye. Carlos comes in. We get a nice little Carlos Bosco moment. You know, I like one of them. Um, saying that Yokus is looking for him and that, um, you know, even though Munro said that uh, we shouldn't tell Davis, we should bring him down here. And sort of Carlos checks in on Bosco as well. Um, I do love Cruz here with Finney and Davis, kind of, you know, Finney and Davis like, hey, you know, this should get us out of, you know, back into anti-crime, shouldn't it? And Cruz <laughs> is just like, it's called a compliment. That's what you got. If you're in second grade, you get two gold stars. And then Finney mentions about the prostitute hot dog lady. Uh, Davis tells Finney that he got some action and then Finney quickly retracts it. But then Cruz is all like, oh yeah, we know about that. We're going to go check it out. Um... So there's that. Uh, Munro and her sister have a little bit of a moment. Her sister's essentially saying that it was a setup. He did this because he hates you. Um, and then, you know, Munro is kind of just trying to calm it down. And then we get this great scene with Yokus and Bosco. Um, kind of, you know, starts off nice and calmly. Yokus asking her what happens and then asking him what happens. And then kind of, you know, Bosco explains. Yokus doesn't believe him. And then essentially Yokus just accuses him flat out. Like, you know, this could have been avoided. And then... You know, she's saying that she's trying to help him. We just get that great line when kind of, you know, Bosco's like, have you forgotten where you come from? And then Yoko's is like, my old partner wouldn't have missed. And he's like, my old partner wouldn't have questioned me. Um, it's like, wow. And and again, just like the episode where it was, where, you know, Bosco was asking her to shoot for him and, she's, and she said, I can't do that. And he was like, this is all I have. Um, you know, I said then that, you know, I don't know who to, 
I don't know who we're supposed to side with here, and I like that they set it up like that. And here I think it's that same thing. You know, we, we're we not sure who we're supposed to side with because both of them are making good points, mm-hmm. you know. Because, no, um, I mean, let's say, let's say that it was – because it's never confirmed, but let's say let's say that it was Bosco Bosco's problem with his vision in his in his right eye. I mean, Faith's right. Before 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 that ha- before the big shootout in the hospital, if the, similar situation, I I highly doubt Bosco would have Bosco would have would have missed that shot. Mm. But at the same time, no, um, Faith as his partner probably wouldn't have questioned him like this either Mm. yeah and look as much as i complain about them kind of having a conclusion and everything like i do like this stuff between these two i think kind of it's yeah it's rehashing a little bit of like hey they're fighting and stuff and like i just feel like i wish we maybe had another season of these two kind of being able to make up again by the end of it because like i just feel like the, the the one thing i don't like about the fact that they're fighting right now is that we're what episode 18 and essentially we're not really going to get a proper conclusion between these two so like yeah it's, it's great to have that tension again between the two of them because again they've always got chemistry between themselves essentially um you know except for a couple of episodes ago <laughs> but that wasn't their fault um but yeah, anyway, it's um, you know I agree with everything that you just said there. Um, the prostitute lady's arrested, and then she's basically saying to Cruz, like, "Do you have a terrorist you need arresting?" And if you book me, I'll take down half your apart- department. She's like saying hello to all these cops, and then we see Davis kind of walking in, and she's like, "Don't act like I don't know you. You got blue Tommy Hill figures on." <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we've kind of got one of those classic moments where like Swirsky's pulling Davis aside and we think Swirsky's going to tell Davis off but then it's all purely the fact that uh, Munro's been shot and Swirsky doesn't give a shit that everyone's saying to like don't tell Davis don't tell Davis Swirsky's just like dude Munro's been shot and she was pregnant <laughs> so it's like okay um, and I, I love I love I love Kobe Bell's reaction there you know just just Ty's reaction of what yeah I, I love that because it's, I mean, in that in that one word, I mean, it just it just hits him like, oh my god, mm-hmm. and and I said it from the I said it from the beginning though when we first found out about Monroe being pregnant 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 and Davis being the dad, I mean, because obviously Davis would have been the dad um, because they were because they were together at the time, but. I sort of get where Monroe was coming from with not wanting him to know, but he had every right to know. Mm-hmm. Well, he again, had every right to know. Yeah, I mean, we've been over that a bit. I think kind of, you know, it's Monroe's got a reasons, um, but yeah. Yeah, I we think, have. So, I mean, it's kind of ultimately this is what's brought them back together, though. But yeah, no, I agree with you. I like um, I like Kobe Bell's uh, reaction here as well. I think it kind of it sums it up very, very well. Uh, Bosco comes in to see Monroe and it kind of, yeah, I, I like kind of this moment between these two where Bosco's obviously, you know, just apologizing and look like, hey, like, you know, I didn't do this deliberately. Uh, you know, I would never do this. Um, and then kind of Munro's kind of just like, hey, look, you know, it's fine. I knew I was pregnant three weeks ago. Uh, the only reason I stayed is because I didn't want them to push me out and, you know, it's going to be okay. And yeah, I just kind of like this moment between these two. It's a nice little moment. Um, meanwhile, again, going back to the random Yokus stuff, we've got Yokus back home skimming through, I guess, em- like it's not even clear that she's gone through Emily's stuff until we find out that she's got a number here that says David. Um, so there's that and clearly she looks a bit like, ooh, she's lying to me. Like, ooh. Like, I mean, again, why is this a big deal? Like, at the end of the day, 16-year-old girls are, are going to lie to their parents about seeing a boy. Um, so, yeah, anyway. Um, Especially daughters of police officers. And, yeah, they have, like, really tense music over this scene, too. It's kind of like, it's like the most tense-filled music over um, Yoko's finding a number of a boy. Ooh. Um... (laughs) We get a great. Well, little... that's because we know who he is. Yeah, we know who he really is. We get a great scene between Cruz and Manny. Uh, kind of, you know, uh, basically they're finishing off the day, and then Cruz is kind of like, "Hey, about that pamphlet," and Manny's just kind of like, "You know, oh no, it's fine. I know you're just going to tell me to mind my own business." And Cruz is like, "Oh, I'm that predictable, ha." Huh? And just it's just a nice little moment where Manny's kind of like, "Look, I know you said we're not friends." But, um, you know, and I know you're kind of a one-woman show, but you won't face this alone. And just the way Cruz is like, you know, I don't know what I'll do, but thanks. It's like, holy crap. Like, oh, such a nice little moment between these two. I love it. Yes. Um, just, oh, so good. 
I just really love that scene. Uh, and then we get this montage at the end. It's a great song, Family Affair by Abram Moore. Um, Munro looking out the door, kind of it's an empty door. Davis shows up. There's heaps of cops there and... Uh, Davis has his little look with uh, Bosco and then he walks in and just sits with Sasha and holds her hand and then we see the rain through the window as they're holding hands and then the episode ends with Bosco staring out the window with rain coming down the window and again, not really a cheesy montage, it works. Like again, I know I kind of contradict myself by saying they're using a cheesy pop song but this is one that works. It's a good montage so I'll give them that. So yeah, yeah. that's too little too late. What are you going to do with this episode? Oh, I'm, de- I'm definitely buying this episode. I... It's a definite buy for me. Agree. I think it is a buy too. This is the first time I've bought an episode since the L word. Um, it's been a it's been a few episodes since I bought an episode. But yeah, no, I agree. I think this is a it's a solid episode. Um, it holds up well, and it kind of it's got a lot of content in it. Even you know, I've nitpicked about two little things, but they're kind of little things that I don't think enough to uh, to do anything more than buy this episode. I will say it's I mean it's a fairly low buy compared to other ones. Like I've got this at number seventy nine out of one hundred and twenty eight, which sounds like it's a low episode, but that is the third lowest buy. So, uh, but still, it's, um, you know, it's up there. There's just a lot of episodes above it. That's the only thing. So, um, anyway, so next week we're up to the fourth last episode of Third Watch and it is a, it's a decentish one too. It's a funny one. Welcome home. (laughs) Carlos, it's, it's, we've got some paramedic storyline because Carlos is about to meet Holly's parents. (laughs) Oh God, I cannot wait to get to that. It is just, oh my God, that episode is hysterical. Yeah, there. I mean, there is, is. There's some odd stuff in it because isn't this? This is the uh, cruise dances with um, cult people, isn't it? Next week, is it next week? Yes, I, I think so. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we will watch that. Welcome home. That's next week. In the meantime, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on all our relevant channels or Instagram. Theoznetwork.net is our website. You can email us. You can find us in lots of places. And uh, as always, we appreciate your support wherever you are listening to us. My name is Ben, and I can get you a pillow. Do do, do you want another pillow? (laughs) Yeah, that would help a lot, because I did wake up on the wrong side of the bed this morning. Well, I woke up. No, I slept wrong. There we go. Anyway, anyway, everybody, my name is Darvell, and until next week, I didn't know. I thought she was just a freaky hot dog vendor. See you next week, peeps. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.